Welcome to a brand new episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm Andy. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Post live show. Post live show. I think it went well. I think it went great. Our live show here in Omaha. I mean, it got great to the part to where Andy, when he came out with that watermelon and the sledgehammer, and was just like going crazy <laughs> and throwing melons at people. I'm just glad we passed out uh, those uh, plastic aprons. For yeah, right. The tarps. Wear. <laughs> yeah. I think the glow sticks went over well for the audience members, though. That was fun yeah. for people. That was a good. That was a good interactive segment of glow sticks. That's right. So hey, all of you listening, you know, in your homes or in your cars or wherever you're at, next live show, come on down, and you can join in on all the glow stick fun times. And thank you to everybody who uh, took time to come and hang out with us for a night. Sold out show. Yep. Yay! Sold out. It was great. Um, just a minute ago, Eddie was rocking the sunglasses here in the back on. Paranormal Dad studio. What's up? There it is. Kind of has like a George Michael thing going picture, on. It does. Picture in your mind. Oh, Pat's taking a photo, so. Speaking of picture. Put this in the show notes. There Boom. There, there it is. is. Photo time. Uh, yeah, we had a great time. And so I just, you know, the atmosphere was just like appropriately spooky. It wasn't too, it's was just like the Goldilocks of paranormal. It wasn't too scary. It wasn't too, you know, too safe. Uh, it was a good time. Well, I don't know about you guys. I'm I'm so ready for fall. I mean, it's it's our season. Yeah. A couple yeah. days ago, well, I guess it was last week when it was 100 degrees every day, all day, no rain, no break, no humid, hot, sticky. I was like, screw this. I'm ready for fall. I'm going to manifest cooler weather. So I took my daughter out, and we bought uh, an asinine amount of fall decorations, and I decorated my whole house for fall. First uh, first week of August, I think it was. Yeah. 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 That was last week. Yeah. 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 Or this week. I am with you. It's, it's tough, right? Because where we live, it gets crazy, crazy cold, too. And the snow comes, and the ice, and it lasts for five to six months, and you're like, I never want to complain about it being hot. And then it's 100 degrees for a week straight, and you're like... It does get old. It gets old. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just, I don't know. And man. you put so much work into, like, in my case, you put so much work into your yard, and then it just fries, and it yeah. turns dormant and brown, and yep. it's not much to look yep. at. And it's it, this is pretty much a consistent thing with with Nebraska in the late summer. It's like it's going to get hot. You're going to get no rain, and it's just going to be brutal, grind into dust. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. It's like the 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 fall, the autumn is uh, it's the paranormal season. Oh. Yeah, they got the candy in the grocery stores already for Halloween. I was yep. at one the other day, and it's like, oh, it's that time of the year. Yep. Got campfires, s'mores, ghost stories, crunchy leaves under your feet as you yep. walk through the neighborhood. I went walking through a Pacific, uh, the Pacific Street Reserve today, just to kind of get myself paranormally centered. Mm. And yeah, there's leaves already starting to fall a little bit. Um, and uh, also on some of your streaming devices, uh, you can or streaming platforms, they're already having like. Uh, I know one of them has 61 days of Halloween starting like now. Wow. Yeah. Really? It's, it's called Shudder. It's more of a horror-themed, but uh-huh. it's also just, you don't have to watch the scary stuff. You can also watch more of the spooky stuff, and right. you're not yeah. going to... But uh, even on Netflix and some other uh, platforms, they have some nice kind of like yeah. paranormally kind of fun uh, specials out there, so... Recently, I went to see that movie out in theaters called Nope. <gasps> you saw it? Ask me if I'll watch it again. Will you watch it again? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so it's appropriately I, dude, titled. I went in not knowing it's a horror movie. I, oh. I saw in the previews there's a big UFO. I'm like, UFOs in the movie? Ooh. I'm there. No Ooh. questions yeah. asked. But it says Jordan Peele, I think, yeah. is the director. It is a straight-up horror movie. Is it? I almost left. And the, the weirdest thing is the most disturbing scene in that movie has nothing to do with aliens or UFOs. It was almost like a backstory on one oh. of the characters. Uh-huh. I can't unsee. Like it was. <laughs> have you guys ever left a movie because you just couldn't take it? Yes. I almost walked out on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, yeah. 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 I walked out on one that I feel like now I could probably just 
watch and be okay with. Yeah. But it was the first Scream movie. Oh, I'm such the a opening weenie. scene gets you, man. I was like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I just like stood up. I was like, stood up like, nope. <laughs> There's an eddy shaped hole in the in the auditorium wall. He <laughs> just Kool Aid man exactly. Out of there. Just oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> I got my money back too. I totally baby boomered that one. I like walked. <laughs> I walked up and I was like, I'd like a refund, please. And they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, that movie is too scary for this guy. <laughs> like, there's seven minutes in. I'm like, I know. I know what's to come. Can't do it. Uh, so here's the thing. You wouldn't see it again. No. But are you kind of glad you saw it? Or I'm are not you glad like, that I oh, saw it. Oh, no. I came home. I was so disturbed. I, like, I, It was one of those things. I, like, I wanted to watch cartoons. I wanted to not. I wanted to unsee that one scene. Mm. It was just so yeah, violent and so graphic, and I was I like, I, and mean. it didn't. It was not even relevant enough to the movie. I feel like they could have omitted it. But what do I know? I'm not a Hollywood director. The one that comes to my mind is we went to the series of summer movie films. So when the kids are out of school, uh, there was a an old theater uh, down about I don't know maybe. 30th, 20th, and Center Street. Mm-hmm. It, it was the Amy Gifford's Children's Theater for the oh, while, yeah, that okay. same building. It was called the Center Theater. Okay. Not to be confused with the Cinema Center Theater. There, yeah, there it is. And so uh, they had this program where you would buy for the summer, one one day a week, you'd go in and they'd show these old kind of B, B-rated you know, type movies. Um, and they showed this film called The Island of Terror. Oh. And, and we went in there and... Old black and white film, I believe. And uh, I think even, was Peter Cushing? Yeah, Peter Cushing was it. Grand Moff Tarkin? Yeah. He was in that movie. Well, the premise of it was, it was just kind of the spooky movie, and they were on this island, and there were these creatures that kind of almost looked like turtles with super long necks. Oh. And there was a scene where they killed one of them by cutting it in half. Oh. And just all the guts came spilling out, and it kind of looked like... uh, Chicken noodle soup yes, just of course. spills out of this Nice. And you had the kids with you on this? Well, I was a kid. Oh, uh, you were we, a kid. I we pictured, were, we yeah, were like, I thought you were children. We were like, I don't know, seven, eight years old, 1970s, probably. 1970s, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> we all got up and left, called my friend's mom. She came, picked us up, um, and drove us home. Um, I think my older sister was kind of bummed out. She didn't get a say to watch the rest of the movie because we all wanted yeah, to go home. Yeah, we were you're all done. kind of terrorized. And, you know, we we kind of hit it, I think, the whole way home in the car. We get home. We're running down <laughs> the the driveway to go into the house to say, Mom, we're home. And, and <laughs> I remember me and my brothers kind of laughing as we're running down the driveway. And then the laugh just kind of turned into pure tears yes <laughs> we were so freaked out <laughs> by that movie and then she served up chicken noodle I know, soup yeah, yeah, she yeah, chicken yeah. noodle soup for supper like ooh, and uh, Mom, no yeah it was recently i don't know with the past, turtle past <laughs> five ten years i found that movie again you, you can you find watch, it did you watch it oh again? yeah i watched it yeah it's like okay there's did you a cry? scene there's a scene <laughs> Oh, you know, no. It's funny how those scenes... The like Island of Terror. Certain scenes from certain films, if you're almost too young, frankly, yeah. too young to see them, yeah. and you do. Uh, by the way, Grand Moff Tarkin, for any of you non-Star Wars people, that's a Star Wars reference, in case you're yeah. wondering. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for the poor theater manager, because yeah. I, I don't think we were the only ones who left that yeah. day. Yeah. Well, they and didn't. so he probably fielded a lot of angry phone calls from angry moms yeah. saying, why do you show this to my kids? Yeah, yeah. all those pulpy <laughs> horror movies. I remember as a kid, I came across a movie called uh, The Beastmaster, which you might remember this one, Pat, if you've ever seen it. Um, that one's that, not familiar. Sounds you familiar. You saw Beastmaster, bro? You gotta oh, watch Beastmaster. Uh, long story short, it's a guy, he has these great powers, he can communicate and and like work through the animals. He could be like eyes of the hawk and then he can like see what the hawk sees oh. and then he has like two ferrets with him that he carries around. Uh, I think they're like Ogo and Pogo <laughs> and like they like get keys for him and bite the eyeballs out of people that he's trying. It's like, look, literally, he like throws ferrets on people yeah. and the guy's like, ah, <laughs> he's holding like a grape with ketchup on it. Oh, my eyeball, you know. <laughs> and there was this scene 
well, you described, like, and it's seared into my memory. Like, I, I want to remember things like the faces of my loved ones when I die, but this will be what I remember as I'm leaving. Like, oh, man, that was screwed up. Ugh. <laughs> like, it was these, like, bat-like creatures that were, like, just shredded, like these big bodybuilder guys in, like, bat suits. And they had, like, crazy, like, bat heads, and they're just creepy looking. And they'd get behind you. They'd, like, land behind you with a cheesy 80s sound effect. That, that, that like, when <laughs> they'd land. And then they would envelop the person in their wings, and you would hear them, like, inside, like, muffled, like, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then they would open their wings. Oh, and then under their wings, you would just see like just like vanilla pudding, like bleh, go on the ground. And then they'd open their wings, and they would just be bones that come out. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, I was like your age. I was like seven and eight, and I'm watching this like <laughs> eating cereal. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm never eating. Smurf cereal again. <laughs> like and it, like when they open their wings and the bones fly out. My dad was in the room and he's just sitting there just like, you know, <laughs> eating well, I'll chips. Be darned. He's like, wow, that's one way to go, I guess. I'm like, wow, this is raw. <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this. Like, yeah, I get it. When your bell gets rung when you're seven. You're yeah. Like, yeah, but see, they didn't care about kids' feelings when we were growing up. No. It was like, if it didn't kill you, it made you tougher. Right. It was like, man, I think I have anxiety and PTSD, and dad's probably like, eh, it's probably just gas. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I was a nom. I know what PTSD is. PTSD. <laughs> uh, the thing that's so funny, I was like, I think the U.S. economy back in the 80s ran off of children's tears and, and anxieties. <laughs> it was like Monsters, Inc. <laughs> well, if you're new to the show... We vamp a little bit here at the beginning, but we actually do have a format, believe it or not. Yeah, right. We have three segments. We start out with recent sightings, uh, and then we move into pop culture and the paranormal, and we end the show with the main mystery of the day. So... Uh, if if we're gonna make this show under two hours, I guess we yes. should get into should be uh, moving recent, to work. recent yeah. sightings coming up. Here we go. So, this is something that popped up on my radar just in the past couple of days. Oh, even though it's a relatively old, um, old sighting, recent to you. It, it's very recent to me, and and it's really gotten hot on Twitter in the past couple of days because people are Twitter really hot. really talking about it. So it's a thing called the Cal. And I hope I'm saying this right. The Calvine fo- photo, and it was a. How do you, how do you spell that, Pat? It's C A L V I N E. Calvine. Okay, Calvine. There you yeah. go. Pretty straightforward. Um, so this took place back in 1990 on a remote Scottish hillside around 9 p.m. on Saturday, August 4th. And what happened were there there were a couple of guys who are still, uh, as far as I know, are still uh, anonymous, mm-hmm. uh, took a series of six photos of a UFO and two Harrier jump jets, as, as they're called. Yeah. Uh, so the, what the Harrier jet is, is a jet that the British use, some of the Marines in the United States use them as well. They're a jet that can launch vertically, so they can go straight up and down. They're good for short runways. They can put them out into forest clearings and things like that. Uh, so back in the 90s, the British were still flying these. I think they retired them around 2000, early 2000. Yeah. And uh, this photo that they took uh, is of a no better way to describe it as a flying saucer. Yeah. And you see a, a cup, one or two Harrier jump jets kind of in the background. And it's not real clear if the jets are escorting the thing or if they're just in the neighborhood and checking it out. Right, doing an intercept. But they said this thing uh, just floated there in the air for about 10 minutes, and then it just shot off in super, you know, beyond what anybody has capability to do, sure. speeds. And what year was this again? 1990. Yeah. So, I mean, when things take off like that, no human can withstand that kind of G-force. And uh, to boot, most of our uh, instruments, most of the hardware on a ship couldn't survive that kind of G-force either. It would rip this. It would rip uh, with our space, you know, our space shuttles and aircraft. It would it would rip it apart to shreds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've shown this photo to you guys. It's it's just, you know, crazy looking ship. Yeah, it just, I mean, almost, I mean, if you think almost it, looks like a side view of the Millennium Falcon or it's something. It's a quintessential but UFO. It, yeah, it's almost as if you had two uh, shallow bowls and you inverted yep. them on top Ooh. of one another. Yeah, yep. that's it. Yeah, that's what it looks and like. And then just kind of um, 
you can tell it's back out into the distance is a Harrier jump jet. Yeah, it's almost like two suction cups put together. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Two suction cups, stick them together. That's the shape. Yeah. It's it's funny because these are the things that, especially with the disclosure that's, and not that full disclosure has happened, but like incremental disclosure seems to be happening now. And, and it's like, we're still trying to like look at just the reports of today or like the past three years where people are like, maybe it's a drone, maybe it's a thing. It's like, this is 1990, bro. Drones didn't exist. And you even go further back. I mean, this is this size, shape, and behavior is consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to go out and, uh, and you know, check it out on the internet because you'll find uh, they had released kind of photocopy, a photocopied version of this photo that had come into people's hands. And this is, you know, essentially the same photo, but now you actually see the real photo. Yeah. Uh, somebody got a cop copy of it it was basically kind of a i believe it comes from a group um it's a ufo kind of group Mm -hmm. uh they that's what they study uaps ufos uh from britain uh you can find this whole article at uh, www.uapmedia.uk and uh just look for uh the calvine photo and uh, you know, they even quote in here Nick Pope, who is a guy who mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Yep, he's, he's a ufologist. He, he's a ufologist. He was a former British uh, civil servant and staff member for yep. the uh, Air Force in Britain. Um, and he uh, wrote a book in 1996 called Open Skies, Closed Minds. And he talks about this event in his book. Uh, but you'll see Nick on, you know... Um, uh, He's on Ancient Aliens. Ancient he's on, Aliens. He's he, on. Yeah. He's on the uh, the the one where they show all the video clips that people collect. Yeah. Um, oh, I, 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 I also want to give me. a shout out. I I got one of Nick Pope's books back in the day. It's called AD After Disclosure, mm. and it, he he writes it with. Uh, it's co-authored with somebody who has ties to Hollywood, but the book is basically about what society would do if we in fact had undeniable evidence, like if a if a UFO landed in the middle of Times Square what would happen with society in terms of uh, politics, economics, religion, spiritual mm-hmm. beliefs, military, yeah. Yeah. Uh, technology. Really good book. Anyone who wants That'd to read that That'd be interesting to read about. Yeah. AD, After Disclosure. Huh. Um, the thing about this specifically, again, is like you're talking about it's, uh, that's the name of the Calvine. Is that the name of the city? Or the, or uh, the I think it's, yeah, the name of the town or, or possibly a road. They call it a small hamlet. So, okay. you know, probably a town. So, but it was, I mean, so several eyewitnesses, though. I mean, enough to take that photo. Yeah, there, there were two eyewitnesses. Um, part of this is, the story is, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go into, you know, serious detail about it, but uh, there was quite a cover-up where these photos were actually given to a newspaper, and the newspaper ended up giving them to the government. Mm-hmm. So somehow the government got in, intercepted those photos from the newspaper, and the two guys who took the photos never saw them again. Uh, apparently, later on, they were returned mm-hmm. back to the newspaper and, and possibly the rightful owners of it. Uh, but one of the things in this is that they uh, classified this, uh, this story... And part of that classification was they weren't going to re, they weren't going to name the people who took the photos for like seventy some years, and it's been like thirty years <laughs> already. Yeah, so uh, it, yeah, it's crazy. They're going to wait for them to die, basically. Yeah, that's yeah. what's happening. They're like, these guys going to be dead, and then we'll tell you who it was. Then we'll tell you who it was. You know, the thing about this, and I get it. Like, I, I, I guess I get it because it's like you know. We've done these things. We, we, we've put ourselves in really weird positions. And it's like, what if we did come across? And we've had a lot of myster, mis, mysterious things. But what if we had a definitive encounter that we were like, that was a UFO. And we have documentation. We have all this stuff. And we have the government that literally comes by. And it's like, we're going to ruin your life if you do this. It's like, I understand how people would be like, nah, it's, it's, it's not worth it. On the flip... I would be tempted to make a million photocopies of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Take yeah. the photo. <laughs> Just in case the men in black show up, you got backups. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Backups of backups, you know? Yeah. Like Bob Lazar. I mean, he just went, he, Bob Lazar went so public that if anything happened to him, 
people would know the yeah. government made him disappear. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, his house has been raided like a million times. Oh, yeah. And they're like, man, if this guy had nothing to prove, why are you bothering with raiding his house over? He and just over? leaves his doors and windows open at this He's point. Like, yeah. I'm tired <laughs> doors of open. My locks, man. Just come in. Here's, here's some tea. So, um, yeah. So that I mean, that's basically what I what I've got on that one. It's. Uh, such a clear just, photo. Just a, a an amazing photo. photo. And and if if you're like me and you're a Twitter guy, um, they're they are so actively talking about full disclosure of mm-hmm. UFOs. You know, especially I think the the gimbal film yep. and the, the flying tic tac. Yep. The tic tac, the, the those go fast. those videos, people are seeing those and they're like yeah, you can't deny some of this stuff. I mean, there's still people where I will mention this. And, uh, you know, you can, I mean, I'm probably insufferable at this point with some of my coworkers, especially like the people who aren't our kind of people here. And I, and I, and I mean that <laughs> the way it sounds, but it's like people who aren't really open to these kinds of discussions. Uh, when they come across it, there's still people now who are like, oh, yeah, yeah. What, the, what? That happened? Like, yeah, the, you, the government just admitted yeah. that this is real. They don't know what it is, but it's yeah. real. And yeah, I think this is going to be another one of those things version. that they're, they're going to put on the pile of evidence. And, you know, it's almost like they're getting people prepared. And, that, and that's what you know, kind of the storyline is. They're getting people prepared to accept the fact that UFOs are real and they're not from here. And yeah. what, do you what they are, we don't know yet. What do you think, Andy? Well, I, I think that the UFOs is, is an interesting phenomenon, you know, because it seems like, you know, uh, people are divided, you know, skeptical people versus open-minded people. Open-minded people believe in ghosts. Skeptics will say, nah, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Open-minded, Bigfoot, yeah, it maybe could be real. Skeptics, nah, where's the proof? Where's the body? Yeah. But UFOs is different because even skeptics, they lean towards believing in extraterrestrials. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, especially of the three... Although ghosts, I think, are, are... I think a lot of people believe in ghosts, too. Starting to come out, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah I think... By far, when you compare UFOs to any kind of cryptid, yep. UFOs are far more believable mm-hmm. than than the existence of cryptids. The big the big thing that I've come across, and yeah, it's funny, and I get it. Like for me, you're more of a Twitter guy. I tend to be pretty much a YouTube, Instagram guy, and same though. I've seen a lot, and granted, it's the algorithm probably <laughs> feeding me what I want to see. Like, give me more of the yeah, delicious yeah. alien footage. Yeah, but uh, there's this uh, discussion about it's almost gotten beyond. Are they really here? The next discussion is who are they? Yeah. What are they? Yeah. What do they want? Like that's the next discussion. That's yeah. the real like the meat of the discussion is like, and you know everybody's gone from it's us, you know, us in the future traveling yeah, it's, back. It's literally time travel that that we're dealing with. Which is why they won't reveal themselves, because it's like, that's how you mess up the timeline. <laughs> the, <laughs> Real quick. The one thing that gives me some peace in all this is a lot of people say that there are beings that are saying that we're not ready to accept them yet because we've got too much violence and too, too much conflict in the world. Sure. And until we can figure out how to manage that, they're not going to present themselves to us kind of a thing. That's tough. Which is one of the theories. But, I mean, we, uh, we, we live in such a top-down So that system. makes us the bad guys. So I'm Again. like, okay, well, you can't get worse than us. You, yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. with the technology these things have got, you know, there's just no comparison. It's funny you're saying, you're, you're setting up my main mystery right here. I'll tell you that right Am now. Am I? Yeah, a little bit. Nice. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we should uh, segue into pop culture Ooh. and the paranormal, and then we'll boomerang back to Eddie's main mystery, which is related to Coming right to Sounds good. Exactly. Get ready. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. All right, boys. For pop culture and the paranormal, I was thinking, what's... You know, what is pop culture? You know, what's more pop culture than gathering people around a table to feed our bellies and feed our souls? So I rounded up an article from foodandwine.com titled Nine Horror-Themed Restaurants Around the Country to Indulge Your Inner Ghoul. Ooh. All I heard was wine. (laughs) <laughs> to, take, to take your ghoul friend out. All you heard was the wine. So that's that's like, all I just heard in the last sentence. You had me at wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but these are you know paranormal-ish themed restaurants from around the from around the world. Um, yeah, I figure it was in the wheelhouse of, yeah. of yeah. pop culture. You know. Plus, we're getting up on top of as I say, spooky season. Spooky season. But first, we have the Beetle House. Huh? 
Yeah, check out that picture, guys. A little oh picture Lord. of Beetlejuice. Oh yeah. Uh, apparently, at, at this uh, at this particular restaurant, which uh, has new locations actually in New York and Los Angeles, oh, so yeah. coast to co- coast to coast. But uh, some of the servers in this restaurant are dressed up as you know characters from the Beetlejuice movie. Nice. You know, kind of Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhand inspired. Oh, Tim Burtony. Yeah. On some on some level, that movie's always kind of disturbed me. I really? don't know why. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice? Yeah, it always me made me uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of they to. pull their noses out and they they change their face. Oh, yeah, it could have been actually um, that movie was one of the movies I went to on one of my very first dates. So maybe that's why I associate oh, the, yeah, the level be. of being uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know. Could but, be. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of creepy. And, it it and grew on me. I know as a kid, and I was such a like yeah, I wasn't ready for that kind of stuff. But some kids loved it. Well, if you go there, you can get yourself an Edward Burger Hands. Oh uh, man, <laughs> a veggie corpse burger. Oh, and the walking steak. Edward Burger Hands. Edward Burger Hands comes up with two of them. <laughs> Starts slapping you in the face with a whopper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the second one, the name kind of threw me for a loop here, but it's called Mario's Double Daughters Salado, and apparently this place has a big artificial oversized tree. Uh, it has, you know, uh, railings made of axes. You can get yourself a blood red cocktail. Um, and it's a Denver based bar and it's kind of Tim Burton esque, but it's actually named. Here's the weird part. It's named for the co-owner, uh, Mario Guccio's daughters who were conjoined twins who passed away. Wow. Ooh. And that's a double daughter's salada. Is that in poor taste? I, I would say yes, but you know, hmm. Uh, venue number three is called the Jekyll and Hyde Club. Now, oh, man. This is billed as New York's only haunted restaurant and bar, and the Jekyll and Hyde Club is the ultimate in spooky, kitschy uh, dining with costumed waiters, secret doors, things that pop out and scare you, and uh, you to truly enter an alternate state of being, try one of their house cocktails like Death by Poison or the Alter Ego. I love that idea of an, a Jekyll and Hyde restaurant where your so waiter's all nice. Yeah, it comes you, out and you're starts... all nice, and then, and then you you go into the next room, and he's like, you know, trying to poison you yeah, with hemlock or something, <laughs> <laughs> choking you. <laughs> like, good, good oh. cop, bad cop, kind of exactly. <laughs> Head butts you to the table. <laughs> you're like, man, this restaurant's great. The next place is in New Orleans. It's called Muriel's Jackson Square. Ooh. So plenty of restaurants claim to be haunted, but Muriel's Jackson Square in New Orleans truly embraces its ghosts. Uh, separate from the main dining and drinking areas, the Seance Lounge oh. is decorated like the 18th century bordello the building was once home to. And this is where their primary otherworldly resident uh, it takes place or hangs out and his name is Pierre Antoine Lepardi Jordan. Ooh, is he French? <laughs> he's French. <laughs> I'd have, have to ask Pat since he's our resident. <laughs> oh yeah, Pat, you were recently in France. French adjacent. Polyvoo Francais? There it is. I think Pat's still sunburned from his trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot trip. Wasn't it? Oh, I'm still sweating. Now. He'll burn like a French burn. We. Oui. So now we go to San Francisco. There's a place called Old Devil Moon. And with the tagline, uh, quote, mischief made, spirits raised, uh, this San Francisco occult-themed bar and restaurant channels New Orleans with a menu full of po'boys, muffalettas, crawfish, and not to mention uh, a po' julep, which is a, it's a cocktail that they have on tap there. Mm-hmm. You can get your fortune told in between drinks, and you don't want to miss the Ouija board mural in the bathroom. That sounds hmm. like a place that would fit in down in New Orleans, too. Yeah, I know, right? They're kind of out of... Out of place. A Ouija board in the bathroom. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, you're <laughs> doing your business. You look over, the planchette starts moving by itself. Oh, no. yeah. P-O-O-P. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you walk out of there, just like, that That bathroom is haunted. Don't go in there. <laughs> and then, oh, here we go. The City of Roses, my favorite place, Portland. Uh, they have a place called the Lovecraft Bar. Oh. Mm. It's a Portland-based watering hole, uh, self-identifies as a horror-themed dance bar. And it's located <laughs> as such with, uh, excuse me, decorated as such with skulls, tentacles, a coffin, and of course, images of pulp horror master H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, you can expect burlesque shows, ooh la la, uh, tarot readings, horror movie nights, lots of goth, 
and new wave music with plenty of fog. Sounds like it would be actually the perfect place for some glow sticks. Actually, it's like goth glow sticks. Like whatever glow sticks. <laughs> Anybody wants to hurt my glow stick? Whatever. Glow Don't hurt my glow stick. But true to Portland form, you can get uh, vegan sandwiches like the Hail Chicken Satan, the Kale Mall, and the Bun Slaughter. Bun Slaughter? <laughs> I don't know. Like a sausage in a bun with sauerkraut, maybe? Uh, maybe. I don't know, I don't man. Know. That sounds like when sounds I very when German. I, the Bun Slaughter. The Bun Slaughter sounds like when I eat too spicy a food, really. When I eat that hot sauce, I'm like, oh, no. That next day, it'll get you. Slaughter. <laughs> now your butt's burn a ghost. Ring fire. <laughs> just his burn. butt. Just his buns haunt this place. That ring of fire. Oh, <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> oh man, the thing about that place—it sounds actually. I love H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Like I'm kind of actually kind of coming into that. That like, like old gothic, as they say, horror. Not gothic, like you know fishnets and mascara more like gothic in the sense of like that was kind of an architecture style it was almost a it was like a uh, what's the word i'm looking for it was a um aesthetic yeah. for like design and sensibilities and the stories man i, I got this book and it was like a, a short story book of, of gothic horror stories and they use that word horror is such an interesting word because it goes from everything from what you were going with pat with like Turtles being split open with, you know, like, like it's gory. Yeah. And there's other horror that's not necessarily gory. It's just really kind of scary, scary. or spooky or, or foreboding. And you know, almost that like uh, Edgar Allan Poe. And yeah. and I kind of like that in a way. Though. I, yeah. I dig that kind of thing, you know. It'd be fun. Yeah. Without the bun slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a black crow on the shoulder. Exactly. Yeah. No bun slaughter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Who wears a monocle? <laughs> well, next we have the Vampire Lounge. And uh, the tasting room for Vampire Vineyards in Los Angeles, Vampire Lounge was designed to evoke a sultry vampire lair. Sample wines from Vampire, uh, True Blood, and Dracula wineries, while noshing on Vampire Dips or the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Chicken Parm Sandwich. (laughs) And then we have a place I've actually been to. Hmm. You guys ever been to Des Moines? They have a place called Zombie Burger. I've not, but friend and fellow adjacent paranormal dad, uh, Billy uh, Peck, uh, goes to a yearly trip to Zombie Burger with his wife. They drive to Des Moines, and they turn a whole weekend out of it, and they, they have to eat at Zombie Burger. That sounds fun. It's pretty I'd cool. I have trouble. It's like, like the branding for me. I'd walk in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see the blood and guts, and you're like, yeah, eh, exactly. I don't want a burger. You got like human tea sticking out of a bun. I'm like, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> I know that's not what they do, but the name sometimes, it's like well, the brain. The, you know, even the decor on the wall, like, you know, they have like two by fours, you know, nailed over pictures of like werewolves and zombies trying to break through. Yeah. Um, I can get behind but that. But this is in Iowa. If you're not, you know, familiar with the Midwest, Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, the, it claims to be a, <laughs> play on words, a gore may eatery. <laughs> Ding! I got to give him props. Ah, cha, cha, cha. That's a good one. And it's a post-apocalyptic chic setting. This Iowa-based mini chain with five locations is all about the burgers. You can try the walking ched. <laughs> <laughs> walking ched! A lot of, ched. Lot of, lot of cheddar That's on that I see what you did there. <laughs> you can get yourself a 28 Days Later burger or mm. the Mushroom Apocalypse. So there you it go. would be an apocalypse. I'm glad if that I had they're like mushrooms. that's where they take it because yeah, it's, to me and maybe I just need to give it a chance because I've I've been to Des Moines a couple of times and I should just go there because in my brain I'm picturing like a menu that's got like bloody fingers that fall out of it when you yeah. open it up. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want that. You know, it's like enjoy a mozzarella sticks. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's a like, human finger. Exactly, it's just toes. I'm like, ah, I just no. wanted to eat some food. I don't remember what I got there, but I remember it was really really good. And they also specialize in shakes too. So why? Wash it down with a strawberry milkshake. See, I just picture like eyeballs in my shake. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want that. Go back to the grapes again. You know that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Like the eyeballs. <laughs> It'd be like the movie theater all over again. Eddie goes and asks for his money back. I need my money. This back, place please. is too scary for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> As I got my food to go, I'm just gonna take this with me. <laughs> all right, boys. That's all I got. So. Um, there's also a monster place down downtown. I, I yeah. I've never been there. I've Have been, you guys there been there one time. 
It's um, called the Monster Bar, downtown yeah. Omaha. Uh, it's actually quite fun. You described like there was like, you know, like monsters bursting from the walls. They have that. They also have some really cool collectibles and like old Universal monsters. Yeah, that's kind of what they're yeah. going for. More right. of a haunted house vibe. Right. It's less like I didn't really see anything gory. There wasn't like femurs and guts laying on the ground. Sure. I have to check that out sometime. It's fun. We should go. My my brother uh, sent me some pictures. He and his wife went down there one time and yeah. had a good time. It's a cool bar because that is the first level. Is all like monster themed, and they kind of keep it up to date too. Like when, when we went, at least uh, at the time, it had come out again, and so they had Pennywise in there. And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to have some food, yo. But <laughs> but if that part if that bar gets too full, and you're like, oh man, I'm not digging the monsters, you just go up the stairs, and the second bar is a whole other bar on, on top of that one, oh. and it's all Pat. You'll love this as the residential like you know audio file. It's all like vent, vintage like music themed. Yeah, they got cool. great jukeboxes and LPs, and it's just a really cool kind of just a music. Music lovers kind of lounge. Nice. That's kind of fun. Nice. That is really cool. Pick your poison. I'm surprised that list didn't include the little alien. Oh, yeah. A little bit down, of shout out. Down, it's uh, in Rachel, Nevada. Rachel, Nevada. Yeah. Not far from Area 51. A little uh, kitschy kind of place. I mean, it's just a little bar and grill. It's near Area 51, and it's kind of taken on you know the alien theme. And uh, people go there to just just to visit, and I'm, I think they they sell some merchandise and yeah. stuff there too. But swap uh, stories about swap Area stories. 51. Yeah, yet another place we have to go. <laughs> that would be for kind real. of interesting, you know. I think it, for for any paranormal explorer, that's one of the places on the bucket list yeah. that you'd like to visit. Yeah, well, it's all fun and games till we get too close to that line that you're not supposed to cross yep. yeah. down yep. in Area 51. Right. <laughs> Eddie puts his toe over, yep. and you know, then the white trucks show up, and and yep. it's game over, Space Cadet. Yep. <laughs> Good thing I got a clone backup of me. Remember backups of backups. So if they <laughs> if they kill me, Pat. Nice. But Eddie's copies of himself are a little <laughs> little wonky. They get a little little, it gets a little off. It gets a little weird. Little multiplicity up in there, you know. Yeah. There's I, one. There's one version that I like that likes to lick drywall. I have a version in my freezer right now. It's, I just keep it there for. <laughs> yeah, Pat Plies. If the day 2. comes, 0. I'll be able to. No, of you. Oh, good. Of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is. Yeah, my backup. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah, there's a few in strategic locations around town. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that about does it. Now we're going to ease into a uh, little bit of an out of this world. Main mystery. Here we go, everybody. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> so here we go. C3PO, what are we talking We're about? Talking about some R2D2s, <laughs> some Z98s. <laughs> no. So we've talked about this a bit. Very becoming very UFO centric, but I think that's appropriate for what we're undergoing as a society at the moment. Me like the UFOs. I like it, the UFOs. <laughs> We've talked about this quite a bit. Things are hopefully kids are back in school now. Get out of this house, kids! You're bug me. <laughs> go get learned. Go get learned. Gosh, drive out that ignorance. But uh, we want to go on a UFO watch still. It'd be kind of fun to do. Um, you know, just pick a night and yeah, go out there and do it. Um, but we've talked about sightings. People, you know, you know, recent, past, all these things. One of the consistent things about these sightings that we've seen, and I tend to do this, I tend to bury the lead quite a bit, but it's fun. <laughs> um, the black triangles. Yeah. Uh, uh, the phenomenon of the black triangles are usually there's just kind of a thing that they're big. In some cases, really, really, really big. Really big. Yeah. And quiet. They tend to be very silent, you know, and they're noiseless. They just see them floating. And they're like, it's, it's the, the, the eyewitnesses reports. One of the most infamous, more than famous reports <laughs> uh, was uh, the Phoenix sighting. Absolutely, yeah. You know, thousands of people, certainly yeah. high hundreds, called in yeah. and saw police yeah. reports. I mean, yeah. they're like, they're, I think it was more than one, wasn't it? Or at least one for sure. Yeah, know, but... Famous Football. famous actor Kurt Douglas yes. was actually flying over Phoenix, and he saw it. He yeah. saw yeah. it with he his own eyes. He was flying into Sky Harbor that night. Yeah. yeah, but the one in Phoenix was a big boomerang shaped. Right? Okay, uh, yeah. I thought it was. Was it? Was it? A tri- triangle. It could have been triangle. I, well, we'll come back to but that. But a lot one. of people said that. I mean, I remember one interview. This guy was saying that son of a gun was a mile wide. Yeah, you know, just huge. And so the idea about these black triangles is that there's actually a whole study on these particular craft. And we're going to talk about them now on this main mystery. (laughs) 
the running theory on these crafts from ufologists and even uh, aviation and military, military historians, which I will name one here shortly, is that there are two types. There are extraterrestrials, and there are ones that are created by us, human-made. And what they decided, they, they called that one of the playful acronyms they have for these is they call them UFOs, but the acronym doesn't stand for Unidentified Flying Object. It stands for Unfunded Opportunity. <laughs> and what they mean by that is that they reclaimed alien technology from a crashed craft or in some cases ancient craft that were discovered on archaeological digs and they take this technology, take it back to a place, and in this case, we can invoke like Bob Lazar talking about a hangar full of these uh, vehicles, which were clearly not of Earth's design, and reverse engineering these things, figuring mm -hmm. out how they work, and then trying to build our own, which is some of the theories behind some of the recent sightings, too, is that this might be us playing around with technology that we've discovered from other cultures that aren't from Earth. So the idea is that the TR-38, two versions, they think that the super, super big ones are extraterrestrial. They think the smaller versions are man-made. And we're going to talk about the man-made ones right now. On so extraterrestrial one. ones are like a Harley, yeah. and the little ones are kind of like your little 50cc scooter. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And so the acronym for these black triangles uh, is called the TR-38, or TR-3. Oh, sorry. I lied. TR-3B. TR-3B. And the idea behind this is that the, the actual shape of these um, crafts started off very boomerang-looking, almost the B-12 stealth bomber. Mm -hmm. And um, um, the military historian Jim Goodall has a super thick book that he has written and published, and look him up, Jim, Jim Goodall, about the history of military uh, aviation. Everything back into like, you know, the Wright brothers, which I love how like like up until that, it's like, man, nobody can fly. Oh, man, these two crazy kids, they got a, a plane made out of sticks and sheets. And then like a year later, they a got guns later. on one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we will militarize anything. anything. <laughs> Send in the Sasquatch. You got a Sasquatch with like gun mounted turrets on its back. It's like, wow, we didn't wait long for that. Did well, we? it's, it's kind of the same thing with dolphins. You know, they teach a dolphin how to do tricks. And then the next thing you know. They're strapping bombs to them and yeah. hoping they float under a German U-boat or something. Exactly. The government, when that's great, can you put a gun on it? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you put the gun on that thing? I don't where's, see where... Where'd your cannon go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, the idea is that um, you know these 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 things are being re redone as a, as a military craft. But uh, this historian has said the shape of the B-12 bomber. So for us, if we can remember kids, you know, Pat and me and even Andy, like that came out like as a thing that it wasn't secret in like the late eighties. But Mid we had it back in the seventies though, right? We had it back in the forties. What? This is where Jim Goodall, read his book, uh, goes into these secret experiments with the B, the B series of the plane, because there's a B-52s and all these that we know about. Like, oh, right. yeah, of course. Giant loud plane drops bombs from the sky. The B-12, the shape of it, that flying wing, as they call it, mm -hmm. was in development in the late 40s. The sucker had propellers on the back of it. It looked like a yeah. giant bit with propellers on it. Yeah. And it shows these crazy test pilots like, we might die, <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to fly this crazy looking thing. And so the B, that shape, the flying wing, has been around since the 40s. And it's been a constant evolution of figuring out how to make this thing work and how to be, you know, and then it became stealth because of those things yeah. were not stealthy back in the day. Uh, but this, they said, basically the idea is that the shape is more, it is, a, it is a, akin to a stealth, uh, to a B-12 bomber, stealth bomber, and that it's very much like a wing shape. And there's a slight bit of definition in it where you can see a little bit like a like the back has a little bit of a taper, but it's very much a triangle. It looks like that. But that the true secret about these things isn't even the shape of the of the ship. They're like the shape is almost incidental. Um, it does lend itself to what's going on. It's the propulsion system that they said was the they say uh, that Jim Goodall. And the new guy we're throwing into here, uh, Edgar Fouché, 
who is a uh, full-on was a, is a lead investigator, a military historian, and himself was in the I believe it was Air Force uh, as an investigator for different type of aviation type like accidents and and um, mishaps. Uh, got kind of a hint of this secret program using reclaimed technology from other off-world cultures. And so they went into a straight dive onto what this was. And they're like, the shape of it is almost incidental. But they go, there's a triangle, and in the center is this circle. Mm-hmm. And um, not just beyond that circle, on the if you could picture in your brain the three points of a triangle, boop, 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 on each towards each point, there's another smaller circle. And this is, they were saying that that, if you look at all UFO type pictures and all that on the underside, there tends to be a centerpiece with three other lights underneath. It almost kind of reminds me of a planchette. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like like for a Ouija board. Yeah. Exactly. With the little window in the the middle. The three little dots that are kind of like the gliding point of the the planchette. And then the circle, which is, you kind of look through the window for the letters. Absolutely. And so the actual technical specifications, which was part of this whole like, you know, research that I've done with this, is that the 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 three smaller are stabilizers to literally keep it from like going too hard one way, too much right. the other. I think what do they call that? The 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 attitude of the plane, right? Is that right. what that is? The, sure. the the pitch and the yaw and all that terms. There you go. Um, that's ship stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, well, that's plain. They, yeah. they, they, they talk about it. Yeah, but aircraft. like those three are what that's for, and the middle is straight propulsion. It keeps it literally levitating. It's anti-gravity. And then these gentlemen get into the technology of how that works, and what it is is a essentially a plasma form of mercury that's spun at 60,000 RPMs per minute. And that that design creates levitation. It creates anti-gravity. And you're able at that point, you could, they go, it doesn't matter what it is. You could levitate an aircraft carrier and just be like, mm, push it with your finger, you know, and it would be noiseless. I've never heard anybody come up with an explanation, <laughs> like specifically how it levitates. That's, yeah. yeah. So you, mercury, plasma mercury. form of mercury. Mercury, super dense. I mean, you think about it, if you've ever held mercury in your hand, because back in the 80s, we didn't care about safety. We licked it. Yeah, you drank We it. made popsicles out yeah, of Yeah, you had Capri Sun mercury flavor, <laughs> and they would just chug it right there with your silver lips. <laughs> You'd be like, dang, <laughs> my thirst is quenched, and I shortened my lifespan by 20 years. <laughs> um, but mercury is super heavy. If you've ever felt mercury in your hand, you're like, this is oddly dense for the size that it is. And yeah, it always stays together. You pour it from one hand. It's liquid metal. It's a crazy thing. And the idea that, and this kind of connects to the whole Bob Lazar thing, where with this center, with this centrifuge, using a, mer- a, a plasma, which I don't know how you take mercury and turn it into plasma. That's beyond me. But then with Bob Lazar and his uh, assertion on how the propulsion systems worked for the craft that he observed, it was the same exact technology involved a centrifuge, but it was using that um, that element, what was it, element 58 oh, or, uh, yeah. or element... Yeah, I can't think of what it was called. Yeah, or something. It was an element that Bob one, Lazar... 114 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, element one, yeah, something like that. But it used uh, that element instead of uh, mercury. And I think there's a very solid reason as to why, pun slightly intended, was that that, that material he was invoking, was, once again, was super dense. He was like, it was the most dense thing in the planet because they go, even like a, they were saying like a gram of it was like it weighed like it was just he- it was literally heavy like this is like a heavy element like you, you you don't need much and you spin it and then you get that picture like your dryer when all the be- on the beach right. towels get on one side and it's like <laughs> kick, 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 kick. Well, and it's almost like the faster you spin it the heavier it gets too correct yeah right that force and then right. at that point you're just lifting that thing off the ground yeah my dryer did that the other day exactly i saw andy flying around Omaha on top of his dryer <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he didn't have the stabilizers. He's all over the place. Um, and so you got this uh, Bob Lazar assertion of a centrifuge-type uh, propulsion or levitation system. This, with the TR-3B, with Jim Goodall and Ed- Edgar Fouché invoking the exact same thing, a super-dense element being spun really fast. And then you get back to the old ancient alien uh, discussion of the old Der Glocken, the bell from these Nazi scientists that are like, they did the same thing. They basically took a giant bunch of lead and threw it in a dryer and, you know, chained it down and got it spinning so fast that it lifted off the ground. And so this, I think we're getting into this, we're getting back to disclosure 
I think this information is being kind of gradually leaked out on purpose. I think that this is, there's a lot known about these devices. I mean, these people, when they give presentations, and I mean, you can go to, talk about Area 51, they do these, they do the, um, that yearly convention out there, and you can go and yeah. attend it. I think what's called an alien con or something like that. You tin, just, they give you tinfoil hats at the door? It's part of the admission. <laughs> that you pay your fee, you get your tinfoil hat. It's included. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, and, but they give specific, specific, and these are scientific men with credentials. This isn't some you know dude living out in the middle of, I done seen it. I don't see. And so the big question for all this stuff is why? 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 <laughs> um, there is a assertion that there is actually a secret space program going on underneath our eyeballs. And mm. that these giant ships, and the, even the small ones are still big. These are not tiny little things, but the, they're not a mile wide, right. but they're certainly like not small. The idea is that there's a secret space program that certain key human individuals are being shuttled off planet into other places, uh-huh. moon bases, Mar- bases on Mars, and even maybe even on whole different things. And that there's an entirely different program going on that funds, builds, sustains this entire system. Um, within this, uh, there was a clip off of this documentary, and I can le- I, we can put a link with, uh, with Pat's uh, glorious picture and also the link to this um, video of um, literal NASA footage from a satellite where there was a UFO coming from out of nowhere, just towards Earth, this thing, and you can see it change direction, and then black triangle comes up, floats up, and then the UFO, the thing literally goes, oh, to quote you, nope. And it literally does like a, <laughs> does a U-turn and it heads back out. Wow. And they're like, this video is interesting. And I'm, I pause it and I'm like, you think? <laughs> and they're like, this looks like a potential intercept. Like somebody's coming and then the, they, they, this, you know, they're coming up to get them and the, the, the UFO changed its mind and went the other way. And so there is this debate, or not debate, discussion that these TR-3Bs are military vehicles, and they are used for specific missions. And a lot of those missions are ones that involve stealth, getting large amounts of equipment and people, stuff, off-planet without making a, a, a peep, because you wouldn't know. Just, they're noiseless. Mm. Um, I think starting them up, there's noise. From what they said, like, this thing does make noise, but once it gets up to speed, if you will, it becomes silent. It's just... Sure. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And the last thing about this, before we discuss, <laughs> we're back to a thing that I maybe mentioned before, quasi-crystals, which quasi-crystal technology blows my brain. One day, maybe we'll do a breakdown on quasi-crystals. But quasi-crystals is a fundamental way of building a crystal that basically allows you to un- turn a certain way, whatever is like in front of it goes away. Like You don't see it. It's basically stealth cloak technology. Hmm. So you turn a crystal a certain way that you don't see it now. It's just gone. And then you turn it back, and there it is again. This scientist, and this is where I don't have his names. I'm sorry. I didn't write down all these notes. Who was invoking quasi-crystal. You type in quasi-crystal scientist, you'll see this guy. Um, was building these theories on quasi-crystals. And at the time, they were theories. It was more like an idea. And there, he was not well-received, which is not sh- shouldn't surprise anybody in the scientific community. They're like, ah! <laughs> and one guy goes... There's no such thing as quasi-crystals, just quasi-scientists. Whoa! Like six <laughs> scientists, everybody's like, ooh! I'm like, it's not that good of a burn. <laughs> and uh, and it, they come to find that they, uh, years later, uh, with more developments, quasi-crystals, real thing. And uh, there was visual demonstrations of how that looks. And it was like, one of them was like a straw going into a glass, and literally how the, the thing was displaced all the way over here. You could literally move an image with this. So the idea is that, these things, if not the entire thing, but part of it is basically embedded with this, uh, this uh, layer of stealth technology that basically these things can fly over an entire city and you wouldn't even see them. You wouldn't even see them. Well, and if things like this are being developed and if some of the black triangles are us, you know, human-made... It's maybe not a surprise because in the black budget, you know, you guys have heard this too. The, you know, the government, 
uh, needs to they're they're held accountable pretty much for every penny that they spend on this and that defense mm-hmm. education blah blah blah. But there's the black budget, which is billions and billions of dollars that they do not have to say what it goes towards. No, yeah. could be underground bases. Yep, could be you know reverse engineering technology. But the other thing I want to bring up, my hang up on reverse engineering crashed alien spaceships has always been yeah why if a if an alien civilization was so advanced that they could travel through the cosmos from light years away dodging asteroids why would their craft be clumsy enough to crash once they're finally at their destination yeah that's like us traveling all the way across the country and then uh you know, and then getting in a fender bender in the driveway of the person's house that we're going yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Point. I mean, it is some of these theories are that some of these craft are obviously or not obviously, but are potentially like super old that they and so that when they came here, um, certain things weren't the way that maybe they had thought they were going to be. Uh, one of the big ones was, you know, speed of light travel. It's like if you're going to go at the speed of light or even beyond that, you know, no time's going to pass right. for you. You could leave Earth and go the speed of light and be gone for you an hour right. and come back and hundreds of years have gone by here or whatever. And so that idea being is that if you even miscalculated a little bit and you come back and you're like, oh man, this isn't what we thought, you know, and there's like volcanic activity or there's a, or there, even there's a, like we get back to the war of the worlds where one of them gets sick, you know, right. and they just feel like, oh, I can't fly this thing. I, you know, there's a, that's a good reason and I don't think that the world is necessarily rife with craft air, crashed aircraft. There's not like hundreds of these things, but it does beg the question: like, where, like, yeah. where are you finding this stuff? Like, like, yeah. like, like, you know, I don't know. The feeling you get, and this maybe goes into maybe our next episode at some point. And I don't want to tease too hard, but the feeling you get is that there's definitely something else going on. There's definitely something else going on. There's these black, these black triangles that are in some cases the size of a you know football field or more, yeah. just floating around cities. Like like, <laughs> like what is the and forget the fast aircraft and all those things. These things are slow. They're almost they're, they're almost like in a weird way like they have a certain amount of impunity about them. They're like look at us, we're so big, <laughs> yeah, yeah. big and dumb. <laughs> and then they just like float off or they phase out. That's the big one too with that quasi crystal. Like we saw this black triangle, and after a second, it was like it like shimmered out of existence, and we couldn't see it anymore. Yeah. And so it 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 definitely creates more questions than it answers. But in a lot of ways, it's nice to know that there are people who who literally uh, run this thing down. Um, one of the big names that kept coming up with this was Skunk Works. Yep. Yeah. They are a company that does that researches and develops aircraft and that they have all this experimental stuff that they don't that people don't know about. And some of these things are leaked from Skunk Works. People who used to work there who are like, man, we, we have done things with found technology that would curl your hair. One of the guys quote was, and this is in the 80s, and this is a quote from Jim Goodall. He quoted this person who said this. He was a, a general in the Air Force, and he goes, we now currently have the technology and the ability to bring E.T. home again. Yep. And that was just flat out. <laughs> yep. And Leaves you with goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> but then again, you know, humans being humans, you know, the government's asking, well, where, where can we strap a gun to it? Where can I put the gun at on that thing? It's got no gun. <laughs> you know, it's like I agree, man. It's 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 frustrating in a way, and I do think we're inching towards disclosure in some weird way, however it's going to look. But but it's just like you know to know that there are people who have a very firm belief that there may be a whole secret program of space exploration going on that we don't even know about. That almost the NASA stuff for us is a distraction. Like, hey, look over here. Yeah. We're we're burning up a billion dinosaurs to put this thing into space. By the way, we got a we got a we got a Maytag dryer full of full of lead that we're floating up into space. And you don't even know. And you don't even know about it. You know, we got Andy just flying all over town like a witch <laughs> on a dryer. <laughs> well, hey guys, if uh, if I'm ever going to mention this story, it's this episode, and you guys have already heard this. Might be new to the listener though. Uh, almost exactly ten years ago. It was uh, July of 2012. Uh, I was seeing a late movie um, with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, the movie got out at 11.55. And when we exited the theater, we were standing in a virtually empty parking lot. 
And I looked to the west, and there's this really bright amber light. And it, I could tell it wasn't a star. It was way too bright to be a star, and the color was a little off. But it didn't look like an airplane either. Mm-hmm. And the closer it got, the more strange it looked. So we stood there for a few minutes, and I'm like, wow, that is sure is something weird. So we get in our car, we start to drive away, but I could tell this thing's getting closer, and it was so... It, it was giving me all the, the feelings, you know, all the tinglies, my spidey senses perked up, and I was mm-hmm. like, that is not natural. So I actually stopped the car, got back out, looked at this thing. As it got closer, we could... Me and my girlfriend at the time, we could both distinctly see it was a triangle-shaped craft. Mm-hmm. It was a black... Uh, it was about the. It wasn't tremendously big. I'd say it was about the size of a, uh, like a private airplane. You mm. know, maybe like a crop duster. Maybe a little bigger than that, but okay. right around that ballpark. And it was a, it was a triangle craft. And on the point of each tip, on on the point of each triangle, was an amber colored glowing light. That That's was the stabilizer. It was a stabilizer. <laughs> and then in the middle was a blinking white light in the center of it. And this thing was completely silent, glided over our heads. I'm not really good with altitude or anything like that, but I'd say, I don't know, maybe 2,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Close enough that we could see it. Yeah, it's, that's pretty low. Yeah. Pretty low, yeah. but we couldn't hear it. It was completely yeah. silent. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a drone, wasn't a plane. How slow was it? It wasn't a helicopter. If I could estimate the speed, and I don't know anything about knots or anything like this, tops, this thing was going 75 to 100 miles an hour. So it was pretty slow. Pretty slow. Yeah. Pretty slow like by aircraft. Speed. Yeah, just... yeah. Yeah, so going fast enough to maintain its, uh, you know, trajectory, I guess. But the weird thing is it was coming from the west. It's directly over our head, and then it kind of banks a little bit towards the south. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, you know, much about our home city of Omaha, just a 30-minute drive from Omaha is a city called Bellevue, and there they have Offutt Air Force Base. Yeah. Now, Offutt Air Force Base, there's a lot of rumors about this place as well. Uh, that's actually where uh, Air Force One landed on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it come down in my own eyes because at the time I was playing soccer for Bellevue University and we had a game that day really close to the Air Force base. So we, we saw the, the F-18s uh, or whatever they were escorting Air Force One down onto the runway. Um, but it makes me wonder, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was extraterrestrial. I don't know if it was man-made, but it kind of zinged off towards off at Air Force Base, and we just watched the the amber light just kind of slowly disappear into the distance. Yeah. But in the moment, I just remember it was just surreal. Now, keep in mind, it's quiet. Like, we're just hearing crickets chirping. There's no traffic. It's like almost midnight. And, and just the feeling that we got, you know, goosebumps. You're almost out of breath. Like, you're looking at something, and you're like, oh, my God, that is from a different planet. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're seeing something that people people say you, you, you can never see. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time I saw a B two stealth bomber, and I was driving my car not far from my parents' house, and I looked up, and there it is. And I mean, you could definitely you knew what it was, you could hear it, Uh, but it was just it was like looking at Batman flying Mm -hmm. through the sky. You know, it was awe inspiring. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of takes your breath away. You've always seen them on TV and stuff. You've never seen one in person, and until you see one, it's just. You just marvel at the experience. Of, wow, I lived, <laughs> that thing is cool. In the early late eighties, early nineties, I lived in Virginia by uh, Langley Air Force Base, like literally, like right off base. And I, I was a military kid growing up, and and um, on the reg, especially during the first Gulf War uh, in nineteen ninety one. Is that when it was? Yeah, ninety one ish. Regularly, you would see B twelve stealth bombers. With the fighters, the stealth fighters would yeah. fly with them. Those things are loud. And they yeah. look weird, too. They look yeah. like they're made out of, you know, upside-down Legos. You're like, ah, oh, it's all the weird angles all yeah. over the place, and they're all black. And, and uh, yeah, man, like, if your eye, when you haven't seen a thing fly in the sky, that, that shape, yeah, you're like, this is like a Justice League movie. Like, yeah. what, what, what's, what's what happening it? here? Um, with Andy, it's like, yeah, man, I have yet. The only thing I saw in the sky, really, to be honest, was that one, that donut, the, the, yeah. the rainbow donut we all saw. Glowing donut we saw. And then, uh, yeah, that dragon, but that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon, by the way. Yeah, the dragon. Backtrack if you want to hear Eddie's dragon story. Pretty yeah. cool. The dragon's in Iowa story. That was pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, weird stuff, guys. Yep. Thank you all for listening on this episode. Um, if you'd like to find out more about Paranormal Dads, we are on all the social medias, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, be sure to like and follow us and uh, subscribe to the podcast and recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that. 
Also, thank you to freesound.org for providing a lot of the music and the sound effects that we use in the show. Uh, we couldn't do it without all those uh, wonderful providers, and uh, we appreciate their help. Uh, shameless plug, if you're looking for more content, I recently started my own podcast called So Strange, and I've had five episodes for your listening enjoyment, so check out So Strange wherever you find your podcasts. All right, everybody, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you. Like, what should we call this delicious juice? <laughs> it's not a suppository, it it's Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keister this allergy medicine if it's the first thing I do. <laughs> Does that accelerate it? Quickly. Yeah. This is... <laughs> it's not a suppository. He's a rad brother, yeah, brother. Like we, was, we just did this fake podcast for one episode. <laughs> oh, high five, bro, bro. You're a babe, bro, bro. Nice jawline, bro. <laughs>